go. Welcome back to episode of Crew 3 Podcast. I'm your host, Ruckman, and I am back, freshly married, back from a honeymoon, ready to talk about the Pioneer format. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Chris and Ricky. Gentlemen, say hello. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it is going great. I am feeling refreshed. I'm ready to talk about Pioneer. We got a lot of spoilers to talk about. We got some sweet stuff to talk about. But gentlemen, first of all, I want to start by saying thank you. For handling the podcast while I was gone. You guys did a wonderful job. So everyone, round of applause for Chris and Ricky for doing a great job last week of running the podcast without me. I can hear the silent claps. I'm pretty sure it's all Chris. I did I did spend a lot of time last week trying to make sure that I didn't like blow people's ears out as soon as they turned it on. And like I spent like a solid five minutes lining up the end of the podcast with the little trail out audio that we do. Uh, you would have been impressed. You'd have been impressed. I had to make my boy proud on his time off. I mean, I listened to it. It was great. Yeah, you yeah. guys are wonderful. Huge. It was huge. Mm. The best people. The hugest. The best people. People were calling me. They were going, Chris, how did you do it? How did you make such a good podcast? I said, I don't know. We just do it all the time. Um, anyway, this week, uh, probably the next couple of weeks, we're going to skip the meta talk because we got a brand new set coming out ready to impact the format. So, uh, But we'll still take a little bit to talk about a deck that I think is kind of blowing up the meta. It's pretty interesting. Um, and then I think next week we'll kind of have a little bit of a reintroduction to some of the top decks, the pioneer format, uh, sort of in law in line with welcome week going to be taking place on playing pioneer helps sort of bring everyone back to the form. We've got some great articles lined up. There'll be an announcement on Monday sort of breaks teasing. some of the articles we got going up, uh, I'm having a hand in several of them. It's going to be a great time. Great little start for sort of all levels of player looking to get into the Pioneer format, whether you're returning to the Pioneer format from pre-pandemic, you're getting into competitive magic for the first time, or you're a long-time competitive player, it's going to be a great time next week over on Playing Pioneer with Welcome Week, and we'll be doing our part, sort of giving an audio version, breaking down some of those top decks of the Pioneer meta. Uh, before, though, we talk about that sweet new deck taking on the Pioneer meta game and going over all those great, great, great new Capenna spoilers, I want to take time to return to that fan-favorite topic of What Killed Magic this week. And, and really, I, I think it comes down to two things. Number one, you know, uh, of course, we had that orga, that great organized play announcement, and they announced, hey, in Canada, face-to-face games, they're running the show up there. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. They're going to do great things. Uh, but of course, whoops, big hiccup at their event over the weekend. And then we had an announcement of upcoming game day for Nuka Penna, showing up some great, great promos between Power Word Kill, Skyclave Apparition, and a pretty fun, spo- newly spoiled card, All Seeing Arbiter. Uh, definitely Power Word Kill, gorgeous art, Skyclave Apparition, great art. Going to be trying to track down some of those for my collection. But, uh, <laughs> oh, let's talk about look at the forts that you can play for that. Your store can sanction draft, sealed standard, or two player brawl. Who remembers two player brawl? Anyone? Is that like Tiny Leaders? What is that? <laughs> it's the four they sold four decks for and then gave up on and said, I, I guess we'll bury it on Arena. Obnixilis is going to be the best two-player Brawl deck. <laughs> Probably. It's going to be the best Pioneer deck. Uh, but real quick, though, I mean, what do you guys think was the most what killed Magic this week? The two-player Brawl is just kind of funny, but like honestly, I think it's got to be the face-to-face games where, oops, uh, we thought we deleted a side event round. Turns out we deleted round two of the main event and had to make players replay the round yeah this is this is a double oopsie because like 
obviously the big problem is with the program where like why is that even like allowed well, yeah. to happen in that were, kind of way they were running on were they running on the companion app still i think they're they mentioned the program they were running and i don't want to misquote it but essentially i believe it was either it's some kind of official in some capacity or whoever made it right the program shouldn't work the way it does where you shouldn't be able to just like delete an entire round especially on accident without confirming multiple times and then two unfortunately whoever did it like obviously messed up Right. It was obviously not somebody who should have been in charge of that kind of thing, uh, if, if that's the kind of mistake that can happen. And unfortunately, we see that all too often. We spent so long away from magic. And and my first comment that Ruckman kind of corrected me on was I was like, the person who made this statement was a level two judge. And I was like, why is a level two judge the face of an entire organization? Because that that wasn't a big deal. Like back in the day, it was when I tested, it was way harder to hit level two. So like I was I was a level one. Um, and then they even made it easier, but still, once they made it easier, like that wasn't that big of a deal. And then I guess now, Ruckman, you're telling me there's only three levels of judge. So yeah, so back in the day, obviously there used to be five levels of judge. Your your one was kind of your local judge. Your level two, they were head judging like PTQs right. and bigger like Star City games, like IQs and the classics for Star City games. Your level three judges were head judging your opens and yeah, stuff like they that. Were, they were regional uh, coordinators typically, they were right? Regional regional level, right? Mm-hmm. They were floor judging PTs and whatnot. And then of course four and five, those are your big event head judge, and there's only like so many level fives. Yeah. Like under three. the new uh, yeah, under like the new program, there is just level one, two, and three, and two is kind of like in between two and three, and then level three is like your fours and fives under the old system. Yeah. So it it is a little different now. Um, obviously I am no longer a member of the judge program. Uh, my tenure ended as of January of this year. Um, but you know, I think that's just general organizing strains. So, you know, I wouldn't say it's out of the ordinary for this kind of event to have a level two judge running it. But of course, as I also pointed out for you, the person who commented on the, the situation, uh, was a floor judge of the event, not a head, like any sort of ruling, like the head judge or anything like that. So which that is, is something else to consider. Which is fine. And like the person, I'm not saying the person did a bad job, just to be clear for like what I was talking about. It was just interesting to me that that was the level and, and they did a great job explaining it. It was nothing against them or that they did a bad job. I was just wondering, I was like, well, like, you know, typically that the level corresponded to like what kind of logistical experience that you had. And like, mm-hmm. no matter you're commenting on judges, higher level judges were more like logistics like and they were expected to do so much. It wasn't just know the rules. It was know how to manage people, know how to get round timers up, put people in charge, assemble teams, right? Uh, delegate tasks, things like that. So it was interesting to me. And again, you know, we're all coming back after a couple of years of no organized play. So you're going to expect some hiccups. It's more just like a haha funny type situation. But at the same time, these are kind of some of those growth uh, pains we're going to have, and hopefully they address this very quickly because I, I am concerned about the way the judge program went is going in general for some of these kinds of, hopefully they get a grip on this. It it is a very good point to point out that because, you know, the judge program is a third party thing. That's no longer under wizards purview that, you know, even your qualifiers for regionals coming up in the new organized play system, a level two judge is only recommended. It's only recommended you have like a certified judge there. So that's going to be a big deal when you're relying on a store like a store owner or like just the local store rules guy dealing with, you know, even pioneer can have very tricky rulings right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So it's good. I think it has eventually a lot of feels bads 
And I do hope that stores make the effort to hire a level two plus judge to head judge these qualifier events. Of course, they're going to run into the problem of, you know, how much can you reasonably play one of these judges, especially when the amount of judges for a given area are just on the decline now. Oh, yeah, plummeted probably, right? I mean, I th- I one of the Houston area judges who's still certified, I think they said there's like five left in Houston that are like level two. Okay, gotcha. And that's, of course, you know, I don't know if that was – I was included in that count even though my judge just laughs and stuff like that. So, you know, I, and even if I wanted to get back into it, I would have to retest now and that's a whole process and stuff like that. So I'm not saying I want to go back to judging anyway, but, you know, if I wanted to help – sort of make the magic happen like I did in West Texas, I, it would be a process for me to get back there. For sure. For so sure, for sure. hopefully hopefully, there's some young people out there who want to take up the reins. You know, it, it used to be an amazing opportunity. Again, like the, the pay was solid. The community was great. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Ricky, you were going to say something? Uh, I, I was in Dallas this last weekend and uh, the main event ran real smooth. Great. However, I will say side events were a whole new story. Oh, wow. MTG Melee is the new adversary of Magic the Gathering. <laughs> okay. I'm just sort of like a little confused. Maybe, do you think like what would be a good idea is like what if players could just like have an easy like number assigned to them so they could just sort of type in and <laughs> yeah, it would sure. put them into an event? Like no. Wizards could even make like an event reporting software. We could even call it like Wizards Event Reporter or were for short, right? Would right. that be a good idea? Well, here, here's the question. How how much money would that take to make versus how much money would that make me right now? Right. How many snowboards could I buy with the money it would cost? See, that, that's to... the thing. Is What you have to understand is that like we're not planning for the future anymore. And again, the design team who's making the cards is doing fantastic. But again, this is, and this is kind of a problem across the gaming industry. But if it's not going to make me money yesterday and it's going to cost me any amount of money, forget it. It doesn't matter what it is. It, they're they're not willing to put any effort. Um, they're not going to put any good people on it. We've just seen like joke after joke of of idea release uh, as far as digital is concerned. Not not paper. Paper has been great, uh, been fantastic for a while. Even when they messed up, it was at least you could you could make no. You had I to mean, sign up for your event through MTG Melee mm-hmm. in the middle of a Wi-Fi less uh, convention center, and then. You needed your Melee account to already be connected to your Companion account because the actual pairings were only run through Companion. Wow, that's uh, something. Somebody we gotta go, literally, we gotta go deeper. Somebody literally walked up to the stage because they called my name. They go, they said that they were me. Apparently, they said they maybe they had the same name as me, right? Uh-huh. And they go, hey, you didn't arrive for this side event. Are you still going to play the other side events that you signed up for? And they said, I didn't sign up for those side events, so they dropped me out of all of my events that I had signed up for. Oh, wow. In my cushy Wi-Fi hotel room. Uh, so then I had to sit there for like another 30 to 45 minutes, not playing one round of Pioneer to uh, reinsert myself into all of the Pioneer events that I had put myself into for the weekend. So uh, we got some streets to get to. Well, yeah, but before that, like I said, real quick, I'm going to sort of just real quick run through the top eights. And then I want to talk about the spicy list that's sort of taken over Pioneer right now. And of course, I'll, I'll link these events below. 
per usual in the description, so you can go look these up, see the deck list for yourself. Uh, on Saturday's challenge, uh, we have 8th place Jun Sacrifice with Bahutina. 7th uh, place Is It Controlled by RNG Specialist. Oh, excuse me. 6th place Azorius Controlled by Hoey07. 5th place, we have Mardu Greasefang by Free Falling G. 4th place, we have Is It Phoenix by Jay Malloy. 3rd place, we have Four Color Greasefang by Nicarus. In second place, you have Is It Control by HCook725. In first place, you have Bullwinkle6705 on Hidden Strings. We go over to Sunday's challenge. In eighth place, we have Joriago on Is It Control. In seventh place, we have Raptors Midrange by LYDL. In sixth place, we have Mono Blue Spirits by Styro88. Fifth place, we have 5C Fires of Inventions by Vanilla James. Fourth place, we have Naya Winota by Shindy. In, uh, what is this? Third place, we have Sarlonga on Is It Control. Second place, we have Is It Phoenix by uh, Picathartes. In first place, we have Is It Control by H. Cook 725. So a second and a first place finish for H. Cook there. And real quick, we had a super qual- showcase qualifier over the weekend in... Fifth place, we have White Czar on Racto Sacrifice. Seventh place, we have ZNT on Mono Red. Sixth place, we have Komat Men on Black Red Mid Range. In fifth place, we have Chnoctunoctun on Blue White Control. Fourth place, we have Showtime underscore on Rakdos Mid Range. Third place, we have Tangrams on Winota. And splitting first, second place, we have Nathan Stewart and Snoo Snoo Emmerich both on Is It Phoenix. So I can link all the deck lists for the challenges. The showcase won't be posted for like a month. Um, so you can find a screenshot of like the top 28 deck lists really listed out there. Uh, but we don't have the exact deck list themselves. So, uh, but the two challenges will be in the description below. But gentlemen, I link to you this uh, little is it control number. And I want to I want to get your take on this real quick before we talk, start talking about uh, the streets of gold here waiting for us in New Capenna. So real quick, this is it control deck. We're going to take a look at, uh, let's just take a look at H cooks here. Uh, we have two Jace Vrins prodigy. We have four thing of the ice. We have two Niv Mizzet Perun. We have four Narset part reveals Four consider Four fiery impulse Four flame bless bolt Four opt Four express Federation. one anger of the gods three, Days Undoing, Three Treasure Crews, and then uh, the usual sort of blue-red land here. So kind of we're built around. Uh, we've got Days Undoing for a big combo kill between denying our opponent's resources from Narset and then just dealing big damage to our opponent with a Niv-Mizzet Perun in play. What do you guys think of the deck? Yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit last week, actually. We, we saw a little bit of this in um, in the last time's challenge, and we didn't go too deep into it because we were just more like, oh, this is interesting. We'll, we'll see what it does. I'm still a little bit surprised. I think that this is taking eventual by surprise a little bit just because of the Narset Days Undoing uh, situation, which has always been solid, but it might just be a little bit, might be a little bit too cute. You know, again, I could be wrong on the staying power. I'm just still so incredibly impressed with Holebreaker Horror every time I play it. You really just can't get me off the card and until I see a situation where it's not just winning me the game every single time I play it. Um, it's going to be hard me to convince me to pick up something else, but this is a style of deck where, as we'll see, given that everything can hit your graveyard, this doesn't rely on your 
So if people are going to try and, and target your deck with graveyard removal instead of like cinder vines type stuff or like, hey, you play a bunch of spells or whatever it is, you play a bunch of spells, take a bunch of damage or like deafening silence type stuff. I think this is a super interesting deck that gets around some of that graveyard hate while still getting to play stupid cards like treasure. Uh-huh. Ricky, what do you think? So this deck, uh, what it's doing, right, is we're taking advantage of the fact that Lotus loses to Rakdos. Mm-hmm. Lotus Field has a terrible Rakdos matchup, right? And so Rakdos has sort of like really come into the spotlight of the format. Is It can seal games against Control. It can seal games against really a lot of the decks. It's kind of Jund-like, but it just eats Lotus combo alive uh, with all the hand disruption and the pressure that they can put on very quickly. I think that this deck, especially with the Behold the Beyond and the Dark Petitions and the Emergent Ultimatums of Lotus Field, Lotus Field doesn't really need to draw cards. And very often, like if they've been left without putting pressure on them, they're just going to combo off. I, I don't think this deck is very good against Lotus Field, but I think it's a good way to attack the meta because this is a kind of deck that will really try to eat into Rakdos and also into Phoenix by like main decking sure. cards like uh, Narset, by playing cards like uh, Niv-Mizzet, which are just, uh, I think he's a 6-6, so he can't be lightning-axed. Mm. And then like on top of that, oh, he's a 5-5, five, five, so he can't be lightning-axed, but at least he'll draw a card, he'll discard a card. I think that this is a good meta choice coming up, and uh, if Lotus gets more prominent, I think that this will become a harder meta choice. I don't know, like, how, how do they kill your Narset? That's my thing, is like, because, like, you know, if I thought Distortion, any deck that's going late, then they just cry tears of sadness, right? It can't be countered, it's tough. If they start playing Narset's Reversal, then, hey, there's your counter, right? Aha, I got you. Like, you, Narset's Reversaling a Days Undoing does nothing if you've already got the Narset, right? The regular Narset. So, like, I think this is a harder thing to interact with. Narset's a three-mana Planeswalker. So I see where this I see where this is good. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a cute interaction. Um, and again, I, I unless you tell me, maybe there's some way that, that Lotus has that it can kill a Narset. But this seems like a pretty tough thing to interact with if you draw that combo against the Lotus Field deck. Are you saying that Narset seems good against Lotus? Yeah, because if, if in combo with our Days Undoing, just because they can't answer the Narset, right? Right, they or can't they have kill a lot Narset. of difficulty doing so. They can't kill Narset, but they can combo off around the Narset uh, with cards like Dark Petition, Behold the Beyond, Merchant True. Tomatum, right? True, true, true. So instead of get, going for like... My thought is we're going to get to Days Undoing them very quickly. Like we're going to Narset, we, we minus without it being afeard of anything, and we get to look up the top five, hopefully get our Days Undoing if we didn't already have it, and then just right. like, Matt, ruin your dreams. Fair enough. I, I just don't see this being a great Lotus matchup, sure. personally. Yeah, I could see it. Like, you don't have the Black for Thought Distortion, right? You don't have the Hand Disruption. You're kind of all in on that, but at least you have a game, you know? Yeah, I just, maybe maybe it is a great deck against Lotus Field. This doesn't look very good. I haven't watched any gameplay with it yet, uh, but this deck seems to really attack at, like, the Rakdos Aggro and the Phoenix decks that have been, like, four Flame Blast Bolt, four Fiery Impulse. Like, we're just killing Phoenix, especially with Phoenix uh, straying away from Thing in the Ice and stuff like that, right? Also has probably a decent amount of game against Winoda, However, I do think Lightning Axe makes that game a little bit better. Because you can kill Winota, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's the big thing. Fiery Impulse is big because it can kill Grease Fang. I learned this past week. Yes. I don't think the deck's bad. I think the deck's very good. I mean, you would find me hard-pressed to say any deck that is playing four op, four consider, three treasure crews. (laughs) Right, right. You're up to something. Yeah, yeah. So, in my opinion, I think this deck is good. 
and I think it could be a real contender in certain metas. And definitely if your locals is uh, currently being uh, tormented by this one guy who, who owns blood crypts and nobody else does or something, uh, you can give him what for with this. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of giving someone who owns blood crypts the what for, how about we talk about New Capenna? And obviously, uh, we'll do our usual. We're kind of going to go through it day by day. But I would be remiss, and luckily he was spoiled on the first day of spoilers really for the set. So let's talk about the adversary of the hour, Ob Nixilis, shall we? Card is absolutely bonkers. So, of course, Ob Nixilis, the adversary, one red, black, already three mana planeswalker. That's kind of de- uh, danger territory there. You think about Oko, right? Uh, we start with three loyalty. Uh, legendary Planeswalker, Nixilis, but we got that new fancy casualty keyword here uh, that lets you, of course, copy a whatever spell with casualty if you sack a creature with power X or greater casualty uh, X here. Usually, I think they said generally casualty is going to be one, two, maybe three. Um, Nixilis is the only casualty X card, uh, so you can sack any creature with uh, whatever sacrifice whatever power you want here and it will enter as a non-legendary copy of Obnixilis the Adversary with X loyalty counter. So you sack a mana elf, you get one loyalty counter here for your copy. If you sack a 5-5, five, five, he'll have five counters. That's pretty good. But, you know, what, what does he do, right? Plus one, each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card. If you control a demon or devil, you gain two life. Minus two, create a 1-1 red devil creature token with when this creature dies, it deals one damage to any target. Okay, we've seen those a little bit. And minus seven, hey, we get to Grizzlebrand. Target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. Of course, those abilities, if we just had one copy of this guy, it's whatever. But the fact that we can have two copies, that seems pretty good, if you ask me. Am I am I wrong in that? So this guy needed to have casualty three. Yeah. Like... People are talking about, like, all the cool things you can do, like sacking, like, uh, Rotting Regisaur to ultimate him immediately, and that's definitely cool, but literally just sacking uh, an Anvil token, like, and making a one loyalty of this Planeswalker, like, if it resolves on turn three on the play when your opponent has two mana up, if they don't have the Jwari Disruption to stop you, I believe if you counter the original, the casualty doesn't happen, or do you still get the casualty copy? Um, it's when you, you cast, copy right? The spell. It's, on a, it's, it's as you cast. It's as you cast. It's, yeah. So... You can't stop the uh, you'll yeah the copy will still the happen. copy still happens. So even where your opponent has lined up correctly, where they can Jwari disruption or absorb this card, right? You still get the copy, which is absolutely absurd. If you get two of them and your opponent is playing any number of islands in their deck, you just start ticking both up, and your opponent is going to lose four life a turn until they can I mean, apply pressure back. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say I'm glad I bought my blue eye control parts before the price spike because uh, Nicholas make me really sweat about that uh, investment. I mean, like, but like even any deck, like against like, yeah, it has to be answered. It's going to put such a big clock, and like against other decks, you can even just like a minus the first one to make the devil, and then plus the second one, and now you're gaining life. So the mono red deck now, if they don't have exactly chain whirler to like punish yeah. you for that play, right? Like yeah. they're facing down like if you if you have Anvil on turn 2 and Voldaren on turn 1, they're facing down 3 1 1s and two planeswalkers 
that if they leave the Planeswalkers alone, are literally going to gain you four life a turn, and they're losing. And I'm not saying this is the most ideal, right? Like, it is definitely Magic Christmas Land. But I don't think we can scoff at that mana is almost good enough in this format that we could go turn one mana elf, turn two play Obnixil and sack that for casualty. Sure. I don't think that's the most strong play you can do. I think that's a weaker I mean, play than you're probably yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, right. But I'm just saying Still like strong. that isn't that is an option here, right? Obviously, you're playing this at Rakdos, you know, right. Animal's probably the best place for it. I'm gonna probably slot in two into mid-range, right? Like, the, there's no downside to playing this card. Yeah, you laugh at your opponent's uh, tapped Hallowed Fountain that they played on turn one. Uh, you get your two Obnixilis, and you just start killing your opponent immediately. Yeah. I mean, you know, Rakdos mid-range is already moving away from Chandra she kind of doesn't do a lot. You just kind of play... You just kind of minus her, and just... She kills something, generally. But now with this guy, I mean, we're, we've been cutting Culligan's Command, we've been cutting Chandra. This is going to take one of those slots. Right. I just think that, like, this card is absolutely absurd, and I'm going to call a banning before the next set. Banning before the next set, huh? Well, they've sped up production, right? So there's the next yeah. set's actually way... So I'm going to say a banning before Brothers War. This card will be banned before Brothers War. Uh, Dominari United doesn't come out until September. Oh, what? Yeah, so, yeah, if you didn't know, um, weirdly... Um, they kind of did what I didn't think they would do, and they just said, like, oh, no, 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 Crimson Vow was an extra set. It just, like, messed up the release schedule. So the next set, Dominar United doesn't come out until next sept- until this coming September. No way. Yeah. I thought it was a Wait, hold on. July. What? What? Hold on. It's come out in July, because it rotates Did they the shift format. it again? Dominaria will rotate standard. For people who are still playing standard that aren't on Arena, uh, your, your Strixhaven, Kaldheim, and Zendikar... Uh, cards will rotate when uh, Dominar United comes out. Either way, uh, I think this card will be banned. I'll say it'll be banned before September. There you go. I'm willing to pie bet on that. Dominar United is Q3 2022. Huh. So that's somewhere between, you know. That being said, uh, I think this card's absolutely broken. I think this card will go in a million decks. Uh, I don't see a ton of counterplay against it. Uh-huh. Uh, I do like that they finally finished the cycle, right? Uh, we got Oko, a broken three-mana blue-green Planeswalker, and then Uro and Kroxa, and this Obnixilis was supposed to be in that block, right? So you could have yeah. the red-black broken three-mana Planeswalker to go with your red-black oh, two-mana yeah. broken Titan. Brilliant. Cycle completed. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. cycle completed, good right? Good call, good call. So, like, you know, I don't think Kroxa's in danger getting uh, getting banned, but, uh, you know. Uro got banned. Oko got banned. This should also probably get banned, at least in Pioneer. Yeah, this is going to see we'll modern see too. <laughs> this card is going to be very good. We got a team event coming up release weekend, and I will be on a quest to find the Obnixil I need for that event. In case you, uh, in case you haven't thought about it, uh, but this card makes Ragavan better because oh, if you go to turn one Ragavan and swing in and get the treasure, you can uh, play Obnixilus on turn two and sack your Ragavan. <laughs> of course, you can't ever sack the monkey. Oh. Come on. Uh, in case you needed Ragavan to be better. I didn't. You know. I did. This card. Oh, Ricky, I need you to explain something to me. Sure. I need Nostra Ricky real quick, because I don't think sure. we would have ever called this. Why uh-huh. is Hideaway back? Why is Hideaway back? Why? Because yeah. you're a, this is a bootlegger set, right? Right. Don't get me so, wrong. So, like, you always I, have, I, like, I understand your stash. That, but, like, compared to where it was the first time, why now? 
it's actually super weird because they're treating it more like a quest. And actually, there's a couple, there's actually two hideaway cards that I think are actually good. I don't think we're going to see a ton of hideaway cards. I've already seen two that I that I like. I think are I think are yeah. cool. I think we've kind of agreed before we jump into this that the power level of set is kind of medium just because of all the three color intensities. But I think that it really is a brewer's paradise. I really do. I think there's a lot of really fun and interesting ways you can take this with your three colors, which is easier to hit in Pioneer. So I think this is a really, really fun set for Pioneer, which I do. What's funny is you you mentioned three colors. It definitely feels like they forgot that, hey, these cards being three colors need to be a little bit better because they're harder to cast. But like... They don't. They don't look that way. Yeah, I, I think it's like you know. I was telling one of my buddies who who moved back to town recently. He hasn't played Magic in a couple of years, and I'm telling him about some cards. Like he used to. He helped develop a the the first um, deck with Deathrite Shaman, like Deathrite uh-huh. Shaman Jund. And it, you know, it's not like they invented the exact deck or but like that card got banned quickly, and nobody liked it when it first came out, and he discovered it. So he, he's a smart Magic player. I really trust him. I'm telling him about some of the cards that have come out, and he's like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this one got banned. This one didn't get banned, but he's blown away by the increase in power level of cards. And, and so I think compared to some of that stuff, yeah, I think compared to what we've seen in two color, these three color cards can be pretty under. All right. Um, real quick though, obviously before we move on from Nixilis and sort of get started with things, you can of course copy the Obnixilis token with the Seekers Chariot. So do with that information <laughs> what you will. Yeah. 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 It's time for four color Winota. Yeah, that's right. Uh, real quick, while we're on the Unmixless train, do you want to talk about Elspeth and Vivian real quick to get the, knock the Planeswalkers out of there? Uh, I'll talk about Elspeth real quick. Yeah, what you got about Elspeth? Uh, Elspeth uh, would have been really good if not for the Wandering Empress, but five mana for a five loyalty Planeswalker. Uh, plus one, you get to choose one creature, up to one creature, put a 1-1 one, one counter, and then a counter from Flying, First Strike, Lifelink, or Vigilance. Uh, so we're bringing back the ability counters again. And so that ability is pretty powerful. If you have a creature in play, give it, make uh-huh. it one, one bigger, and then pick, pick any ability you want to staple on it. And then minus three is the ability. That's really exciting. If only maybe this card might break into playability, but I'm not sure. Minus three looks at the top seven cards of your library, put a permanent with a mana value of three or less among them into the battlefield with a shield counter on it. The rest go on the bottom in a random order. That ability is sort of, crazy to me that ability seems very powerful however it's also hilarious because it might just involve a lot of lands that have divine shield which <laughs> might sure. be important actually you could you could play a man land and then divine shield it right there we go of course real quick for those that don't know the shield counter is a counter that just says if it would be dealt damage or destroyed remove the shield counter from it so like the best thing the best use i see is this is a one of in control and like that won't even happen but like that being said uh, the minus three flipping and finding like your Narset with a divine shield. Mm-hmm. That's pretty hot. But like that being said, card's not very good. Minus seven makes uh, like five, three, three angels. Who cares? Bad Elspeth. And then uh, Vivian real quick. Uh, Vivian four green, green for a foil loyalty planeswalker. Plus two, you may sack a creature. If you do search your library for a creature card with mana value equal to one plus the sack creatures mana value, put it on the battlefield and shuffle. It's a little pod effect there. Uh, plus one, mill five cards, then put any number of creature cards, build this way into your hand, and minus one, make a 4-4 four, four green rhino warrior token. This card reads so weird as a planeswalker that, uh-huh. all right, big conspiracy, I'm pulling out the whiteboard, I've got the string. Okay. I don't actually think this card is real. Yeah? I legitimately think that this card was spoiled by wizards, and like literally last minute, 
they're going to show a completed Vivian instead taking the spot. Mm. I, I, this is the dumbest thing ever. I wouldn't bet pies on it or anything, but like legitimately the way this card is worded, the way the card does its abilities and the way its loyalty abilities shake out is so weird and not done on a planeswalker before that. I think it's fake. I think this is a stand in Vivian and they're going to show us a completed one, like on the last day of spoilers. And they're going to be like, interesting. This Vivian was not real. I love that. I would also believe that the AI designed this Vivian. I would also believe. Like, why is her ultimate making a rhino and that's only a minus one? It's super weird ability. Uh, why does she mill cards? And then you pull back the, like, why does she mulch for creatures? Why doesn't she just, like, look at the top five, add as many creatures, or reveal the top five? Which is normally how these cards are written, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just Garrett Collar of Beast, right? So, like, why does she mill them specifically? You know? Uh, And then, like, the pod ability is also, I think, a hint, okay? Here we go with the string. Pod is a Phyrexian card, right? Okay, yeah. So she has the Phyrexian ability on her plus one because she is a pod because she's in the birthing pod. That's how they complete the Planeswalkers. Wow. Uh, Illuminati confirmed. Uh, Vivian isn't real. Make sure you play the mind-blown noise right after he says that, Rockman. Okay, create the drama for the people. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even kidding you. I think this card is fake, and I might be absolutely insane. What do you guys think? It's a sick call out because if you're right, it's like the dopest drop I of mean, all time. There, right? And if you're wrong, there, there was there was a completed Vivian that leaked, but was can like never been like confirmed or denied. Right, exactly. Wouldn't that be the sickest thing ever? Like, wouldn't that be it such be. a cool thing that wizards did? I mean, it would be like the weirdest double cross <laughs> in lore because like Vivian is like so obviously Tezra is on like ocelot levels of betrayal right now and right. is now working with Urbrask, who's like not is working against the other Praetors is just like, nah fam, I want to destroy all of, all of the Phyrexians. Um and so like so I, I don't know how Vivian would have been completed. Maybe like Urbrask was lying, maybe Tezzeret was like double triple agent. Like I don't know. Uh we'll see what happens. Like it what really got me thinking about this was the stupid secret layer where you can peel the card off of the other card. <laughs> yeah. With the golf planes? Yeah, the golf planes, and you can peel it off, and it's the golf course on fire, and it's Battlefield Forge instead. And, like, that really made me think that, like, maybe there's, like, some stupid, you know, like, you get the Vivian, and it peels off completed or something stupid like that. I'm just saying. Yeah. I don't think it's well, the, I, look, I don't think it's the worst take ever. If we want to talk about dumb things, I want to talk about uh, just Obnixilus murdering Xander with a finger gun. Yeah. Uh, in Murder. Yeah, uh, but anyway, I mean, so we got some Planeswalkers. Obnixilis, obviously the big winner here. Um, I don't think we're going to see a repeat of Kamigawa, where it turns out Wandering Up was just the best the whole time. Uh, what else we got so far on this day? We got the other two family leaders. We got Falco, Spara, Pact Weaver, uh, one in a bant for a 3-3 flying trample. Falco, Spara, Pact Leader enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast spells at the top of your library by removing a counter for a creature you control in addition to paying their other costs. Cool. Uh, the one I'm really interested in, though, is Zeatora the Incinerator. Three Najund for a 6-6 Flying Dragon Demon. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, Zeatora the Incinerator deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target and you create three treasure tokens. 
Uh, we get some Jun Sack back in the house. What do you so, guys think? Okay. A long time ago, Star City Games used to have Evan Irwin and Jerry Thompson review every card that got spoiled in a new set. Some would say we stole their pie bet gimmick from them. Also, what would happen is Evan Irwin would be excited about every card because Evan Irwin is a gift uh, to Magic, right? <laughs> right. And right. Jerry Thompson, equally a gift to Magic, right? Right. You mean Brad Nelson? No, they switched. Originally, it was Jerry oh, Thompson. That's right. They switched yeah, that's right. to match yeah. energy because Jerry Thompson would sit there and go, Delver's in the format. That one will see play, right? Just mm-hmm, like, yeah. and I'm going to be here and I'm going to say, Obnix is in the format. That won't see any play. Sure. As as you should. You're continuing the tradition is what you're telling me. Right. Roll Tide. All right. So Roll Tide, <laughs> indeed. Another, again, another Star City person. All right. Uh, what else do you think, guys, is I good on this day? I want to talk about Devilish Valet. Yeah. That's the only one I really – if we talk about this one, I think there's another one, but I think that's a good one. Yep. You can go for it, Chris. You take it away. I want to hear your thoughts on the val- Valet. On the Valet? Yeah. On the valet. Oh, the valet. Yeah, we'll call it the valet. Um, the valet is a fun card. I, I don't know if this card breaks it into pioneer playable, but it is a very, very interesting card. That again, a lot of these cards that I'm going to say on average lower power level have the potential to be very broken. This guy, uh, do we already talk about what he does? No, two colorless, one red. He is a one-three devil warrior. Uh, it has trample and haste, and whenever another creature enters the battlefield, it's the alliance ability. But for this one, you double its power until the end of the turn. Um, I think trample and haste are what what makes this card obviously good. Uh, without it, you know, hey, it's it's pretty mediocre. But this card just gets real big real fast, and so I think this is one of those cards where, hey, if you want to if you want to go this way, it's not that hard to activate it, and and there's really some power here. What are you thinking, Ricky? Chris, Chris I will if you give me five. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I will no, 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 be. Go ahead. I will be arriving at your local FNM, uh, playing literally the exact uh, zombie rally deck, but with four of these in the deck and no way to cast them. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. That's all I want to do. I want to rally for three, get all these like Corpse Knight triggers, and kill you with like a giant devilish valet. Can I Can I pitch you another scenario? Go ahead. I'm, I'm interested. Uh, I'm going to play green and make a million Scooty Boys. <laughs> this guy does play very well with Rabble Master. Oh, yeah. yeah. If we want to mm-hmm. play, if you want to just bring back the Grohl Company, like play Llanowar Elf, play Rabble Master or War Boss, and then right. go to town deck. Right, yeah. I, yeah. And I think that deck is like not only a fun deck, but has game, right? Mid-range, right. we're going to play that. What's another really good uh, three drop? How about the three mana four three that's been dominating the format for years? Stop. Right, right. It, you may think that it's just a two mana or it's a stupid whichever side you want to think it is, but it's also got an instant on it, right? That deals two damage, and it's just like you can play that, and then you can you know play the creature side of it. You can coco into it. There's just so much potential there, and like we've seen how strong that is. So like you know, gruel with uh, a bunch of red three drops seems fine to me. You know? Yep. This card's fun. Urbrask is neat. I love the way his ability. Like people are just trying to figure out how Urbrask is going to work. But uh, I like the fact that, like, hey, your control opponent doesn't draw a card now. Right. But of course, Omnix exists, so right. what are you doing with your life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Ga- Gala uh, Greeters is a, is a fine sideboard card or a main deck card for the Gala right Greeters person. Gala Greeters is pretty Gala Greeters, one colorless of green. It's got the alliance ability that you choose one of the abilities that hasn't been chosen this turn, so you can only do each of these once. Uh, you get a 1-1 Elf Druid. You can either put a plus one plus one counter on it, create a tapped treasure token or you gain two life 
it's a card that's got a lot of options, so I don't see how bad it can be. Again, there are so many quality cards in Pioneer right now, and there's so many different decks. It's hard to say that it'll break in, but it's worth this keeping card an eye is, on. This card is really close mm-hmm. in Elves. Sure. Is Elvish mm-hmm. Ambush a card that's actually legal in Pioneer? No. It's not? It shouldn't. I don't think it is. Like, ready, uh, or like, the, the two-mana turn all vehicles into creatures in standard, right? Uh, oh, no, it was in Kaldheim. Yeah. So Elvish Ambush is a legal card. It's just a Elvish Promenade without the elf type. Like, yeah. I'm just saying, like, elves gets every day we get closer and closer to elf god. Uh-huh. And this card is going to be good. In- sure. Um, I mean, hey, if you're looking for the deadly dispute of this set, pick up your offer you can't refuse. Yep, that card is pretty good. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be a million dollars because of, Pine- cause of uh, Commander. Right. Yeah. Uh, so pick up your copies there. Uh, you guys, uh, we moving on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, we have the uh, the common land cycle, the weird fetch lands. Uh, we have Maestro's Theater. I don't know the names of the other ones, but each family gets one of these right. So when it enters the battlefield, you sacrifice it. When you do, search your library for a basic island, uh, you, whatever the color that makes up that family, and put on the battlefield, tap, shuffle your library, you gain one life. Wizards, I thought we hated shuffling our library. No, you know what this does, though? It speeds up both limited and, like, any time these cards are going to see play, it speeds up gameplay, right? There's always that one guy who wants to, like, fetch their Evolving Wilds at the very last second, and they're real uh-huh. obnoxious about it. This one's for you. You're just going to play it and search immediately. Sure. And we can we can move on with the game, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, I like that. And I like that in Arena... I don't have to like forget accidentally to like skip my opponent's turn to like fetch my land in limited. This is why the card exists and you can't convince me otherwise. It literally just exists for that purpose. When somebody breaks this with like amulet somehow in modern, I will look like an idiot, but I don't care. Uh, you, what do you, what else you got on this day guys? What do we got here? What do we got? Make disappear is an exciting card in my opinion. Blue colorless instant with casualty one Casualty 1 just plays very well with cards like Sedgemore Witch, which have been, like, a little fringe playable in Pioneer. This is counter-target uh-huh. spell unless controller pays 2. So it's already, like, almost a mana leak, but the fact that you can sack a creature to make it better than mana leak is really exciting. And yeah. the fact that it makes 2 copies means yeah. that, like, in control, like, mirrors or decks that have counterspell mirrors or against Mystic Dispute, this card is absurd. Because if your opponent has 1 mana and the Mystic Dispute... You cast Make Disappear, you sack your Pyromancer token, and now you have two different counter spells going at their spell. Yeah, this is this is this is not irrelevant, and again, it's exactly exactly for what Ricky said. The second copy of the spell is so surprisingly important that I could absolutely see like a Delver Young Peasy list being good just because of this ability. Like right. if your stupid Delver hasn't flipped, you're willing to sack it, you're obviously willing to flip your your uh, tokens. Um, from any sources to to do that, uh, you know. And again, the off chance your opponents cast two spells for any reason, um, you can again target them both or or take advantage of whatever. Uh, or if your opponent there. plays a casualtyed Obnixilis, you right. can sack your token <laughs> right. to counter both of their Obnixili. Yeah, to get to get them both there. This is the only card that beats it, and you needed to play a one drop on turn one and then have this up for turn two. That's how you stop Obnixilis. This card's important. Um, I'm, can I? Oh, I don't, ahead. I don't, I don't, obviously, obviously this is a joke, but like, man, 
Professional Facebreaker really makes me want Ragavan in the format, so I could go Ragavan into Magda into Facebreaker. We just have the one, two, three of Token Maker of uh, Treasure Makers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> as somebody who just started constructing a, uh, a Prosper the Tomebound Commander deck, I'm very excited about Professional Facebreaker. But other than that, it, it'll sit over here and professionally break people's faces in my Commander tables. Sure. I think fight rigging. You like fight rigging? I also like fight rigging, and I was going to talk about it. You can talk about it. Go ahead. I know Ruckman's favorite card is going to be involved in this discussion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that that in this case, I just liked it because I think it's an easy card to, to trigger the hideaway on. So, like, you get your stuff back, and, you know, it's another permanent for... Uh, Nyxthos. So fight rigging, three mana enchantment, two colorless, one green. Obviously it's an enchantment. It's got hideaway five. So we're going to look at the top five and hide one. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on a target creature you control. Then if you control a creature with power seven or greater, you may play the exiled card without paying its mana cost. This, from what I've seen, is the easiest hideaway card to trigger. So I think at a base level, this card is just powerful. It also has a not non-relevant board ability and it doesn't sack when it, you cast the hideaway card so like it'll also just stick around even after your hideaway given your stuff plus one plus one yeah given your guys counters i think like weird uzalith hardened scales decks might like this but what i really think you're gonna want to do is you're gonna cast rotting regisaur yeah give him reggie <laughs> and if it lives one turn you can yep. cast this put the counter i don't know on your opponent's creature. I don't know. Uh, no, creature you control. You can't do that. You can't uh, do that. But the, you will trigger your hideaway immediately. You know, put your Great Henge into play that you found off of hideaway. You know, proceed to face roll. I just, this card seems very strong. And hideaway five is a lot to look at. I, I'm very into this. All right. Yeah, the, the card- I think you're right. And, and even then, like, just some of the stupid green cards we talk about. Like, how many times do we talk about, especially at the beginning of this podcast, three mana five fives are like the baseline, right? If you can't beat one, you don't have a business being in this format right now. Um, at least that was our thought before. And this just makes that easy. Again, this is like you get to, as soon as you play it, you get one. Next turn, you can activate it very easily with with no, like, even register tricks, right? Just green creatures can be so big. Other creatures can be so big. That this just is not that hard to activate, right? It's by far the easiest one to activate. I, I don't think I'm crazy here. And again, like nope. so looking at that top five, again, like what if we're playing big cards? What if we're playing big cards on hoping to like spin into them or something like that? Here's just another way with like, what's that card? Un- it's not, is it unexpected results or something? So the, f- it, the four mana one, it's an instant. It's like a sorcery that like shuffles your library, reveal the top card, play it. Yeah. I believe I playing, know. does that let us cast? Because it says play the card? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Because if like, it's a land, if you, you get shove, to play a land if you need if it. If you shove Ulamog under here, you will exile permanence. Right. Like, if you shove Emrakul under here, right. take your opponent's next turn. This card, I think, like, in a, like, green-black, uh, like, Traverse the Uvenwald deck is going to be, like, pretty pretty good, honestly. I, I feel like this is going to create new decks. I feel like this card is just going to be very good. I think this card is very good. I think you could even reasonably, again, we'll see, because there's, there's a lot of new stuff. There's so many cards to think about. I think it's going to take a while for us to figure this out exactly. This card, I think, doesn't even play the worst alongside the uh, the spin the wheel deck. Pay six energy. Aether that we haven't Marvel. seen in a long time. Right. 
Uh, what's the name of that card? Marvel something. Aetherworks Marvel. Aetherworks Marvel. Aetherworks Marvel. I was it was Arvel, Marvel something. Uh, but I mean, again, like, it's just another effect of that, that like, if you're, you can play more stuff for that, your Marvel would just like hit that and then get it here. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of ways that I think you could combine that deck with the fight raking deck and play like big stuff, but have the backup plan, right? Like we've always been impressed with like people who combine decks or like find the best backup plans. Zeth, who was taking the, the five mana enchantment, and playing just like a solid red green backup plan, uh, unexpected something. So, but I anyway, that, like th- this is very good. Um, other than that, I've got nothing for this day. How about you guys? I I, I want to pick your brain on Cormella Glamour Thief real quick. Uh, one in Grixis for a two four vampire rogue with haste. Uh, for one in tap her, you get to add Grixis to your mana pool, uh, but you can only spend it to cast instants and sorceries. And when she dies, you can turn up to one target instant sorcery card from your graveyard to your. It's gonna be good and limited. I don't think this card is very good. The thing is, like, the restriction of instant sorcery means that it's going to be, like, really hard to, like, abuse her mana. Like, the fact, like, a creature that taps for, like, more mana, like, multiple mm-hmm. mana, and in a lot of colors, is normally, like, a strong card, right? But you can't even use this mana to reactivate her if you... Mm-hmm. So, I think she's definitely made to be very safe. Cool card, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then you have, like, the, hey, we have our mill card for the set with casualty. Neat, card, whatever. Card uh, can target yourself. Yes. That's the only good thing about this card. Uh, all right, moving to the next day. Uh, uh, I, got, I had hey, one more you... card I wanted to talk about. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, Quickly, Maestro's Ascendancy, the Grixis Ascendancy. This... Uh, so far, all the Ascendancies have been trash garbage. I think this one is not the worst, and yeah. that's all I've got to say about that. What does it do? What does this one do? The Grixis ones, obviously, you know, it's an enchantment. It costs Grixis. Once during oh. each of your turns, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your graveyard by sacrificing a creature in addition to paying its other costs. If a spell was cast this way, we'd put it in your graveyard, exile it instead. It's just access to your graveyard. And again, it's very fixed because it's one a turn. It's no Leer. It's not even an Underworld Breach uh, for three mana, right? Surprising that it's, it's worse than either of those. At the same time, you know, it's consistent value. It's harder to remove. Um, ready to move to the next day? Yeah, we got, uh, you know, we talked about Pod on Vivian. Uh, now we have Evolving Door. We get Color Pod now. Mm. Uh, two and a green for an artifact. One in tap, but sacrifice a creature. Count the colors of the sacrifice creature. Then search your library for a creature card that's exactly that many colors plus one. Exile that card, then shuffle. You may cast the exiled card. Activate only as a sorcery. Uh, man, having it. to... I know, that's like the real downside, right? Yep. Uh, sacking your Omnath into your niv would be really cool, actually. Hmm. But you have to pay for your niv still. That sucks. I mean, otherwise, you know, you could sack your uh, mana elf into, like, a six-mana gold creature, right? Right. I think that uh, the only card that I'm really excited about here uh-huh. is a card that I think ooh, would be broken at instant, but it's a sorcery. So I don't think it'll see play. But Rob the Archives is real, real close. Mm-hmm. Two mana, casualty one, sorcery. Exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. Oh, it's this turn? I thought it had the same text as... Uh, no, they're not until your next Unlucky turn. Unlucky Witness is the card that lets you play till next turn. Okay, yeah. never mind. This card's even worse. It's not even worth finishing the, <laughs> the my thoughts on it. All right, fair enough. Ready to move on? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to point out how much I love that uh, Ballroom Brawlers... In Spanish Luchadores? is uh, Luchadores de, de la Sala de Valle, which is something like 
wrestlers in the room of dance, something like well, that. It's just, it's, well, it's fighters, right? Like luchadors. Sure, just, like, sure. Right. I always think of luchadors as wrestlers, but yeah, yeah, ball, brawlers. But it, it just, I love the, I love the translation. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, moving on to the next day, only a couple cards here. I mean, exotic pets. Yep. Exotic pets is cool. And that's going to what there is to say about it. Uh, it's exotic super pets. weird. Yep, one colorless blue and white for an instant. Create two 1-1 blue fish creature tokens with this creature can't be blocked. Then, for each kind of counter among creatures you control, put a counter of that kind on either of those tokens. I don't think it's good, but it does make two unblockable creatures. Right. Which is weird, and that might come up later in life, but for right now, I don't think it's good. I mean, hey, you know, at least they, the fish have a little domino mask so they can protect their identity when they're out super right, early. Unblockable's right. there. I mean, like, again, if, like if, let's say we want to equip these things in our blue-white deck. Right. I think that could be interesting. I think that's where it's interesting. And I think, you know, hey, I'm not sure what kind of counters blue-white has. Uh, pretty much everybody can get a plus one, plus one counter, you know, somehow, some way. But maybe there's some hexproof tokens or something out there. I, I don't know. Again, that, that ability is probably not relevant, but it's interesting that it's on there. And this is kind of one of the one of the things that I think is going to surprisingly be relevant when somebody's like find some cool equipment or something they can put on and and get you that way. All right, are we ready to talk about one of the weirder cards spoiled so far in this set? In Luxior Giada's or Giada's Gift, uh, it's a one mana artifact. So hey, for all you Saga players out there, uh, equipment legendary artifact equipment. Uh, equipment creature gets plus one plus one for each counter on it, and equipped permanent isn't a planeswalker and is a creature. In addition to its other types, it equips for Planeswalker for a single mana, and it equips to anything else for three. Um, I mean... Thanks, Commander. This card... Thanks, Commander. I mean, hey, another card that comes with Devoted Druid. Cool. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about, like, what... Like, you could still act at loyalty abilities with the Planeswalker, right? But now they can't be dealt damage by your Boros Charms anymore, but they can be Doombladed. Like, it's it's just weird. I don't like this card. they can't be attacked anymore, uh, but loyalty, I believe, would still be removed from damage. It's weird. I don't like this card. Yeah. <laughs> I'd much rather talk about uh, the super weirdly named Depopulate. Oh, the the Wrath of God, but hey, Consolation Draw card? Yeah, four mana. So Shatter of the Sky was, of course, a card. Each player who controls a creature with power four or greater draws a card, then destroy all creatures. This is each player who controls a multicolored creature draws a card, then destroy all creatures. It's four mana. It's a wrath. Um, I don't know any decks that want this, but it is a four mana wrath. And I think that the, I don't know. I think that this is a, there's not that many multicolored creatures seeing a ton of play, right? Not really, no. Right. I'm, I'm with you on the card. I think it's worth it's worth talking about. If you would play Shatter the Sky, this is probably better. Uh, what, do, what do we got next? Like Unleash the Inferno, Body Launderer, which one? I don't like the only other card I want to talk about in this day. There's a couple, uh, but okay. I think like we don't get to like the good cards till like uh, Illuminator Virtuoso. Yeah, I and mean, that's a card I want to leave for Chris. So, Chris, you want to talk about Illuminator Virtuoso real quick? Yeah, sure. I, I think that this card is is not crazy, but I'll talk about where I think it's interesting. And Illuminator, Illuminator Virtuoso, this is a hard card for me to say, is one colorless and a white. It gives you a 1-1 human rogue with double strike. Whenever Illuminator Virtuoso becomes the target of a spell you control, it connives. So obviously the connives draw a card, discard a card. If you discard a non-land, it gets the plus one, plus one counter. Um, I think this is particularly relevant 
because it lets you play a super budget mono white version of the heroic deck um, with all the other ones and twos that you had that, that weren't quite good enough because I'm just not sure that this is better enough than, than 10th district legionnaire because it's got haste. Right. Right. And, and then again, that I think is relevant because you can't always go all in on, on one thing. It typically gets killed. You kind of got to set up a board of two or three creatures and then you're killing your opponent very quickly in the two turns after that. And once you get those set up, there's not much they can do about it because you've got multiple ways you can place your threats and they're all killing them, but it does require some setup and, and then some delivery. So I don't know if this replaces that card or a strong enough to replace a card, maybe, but I think there's a lot of really strong white cards that you could build a very, very budget, especially with how expensive lands are getting mono white version of the deck and still be very competitive, especially now that you're not like pressured to play Loris or anything like that. You know, the deck is super budget. And again, if you want a little more flavor, you could probably play some faceless havens or, or something else or even mutavolt, whatever, but there's a strong world for it there. Uh, I think it's worth pointing out um, out of the way and knock out blow our first two look at this new sort of hate cycle of, uh, out of the way is three and a blue, for instance. This spell costs two less if it targets a green permanent. Uh, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. You draw a card and then knock out blow two and a white. This spell costs two less if it targets a red creature. It deals four damage to target attacking your blocked creature and you gain two life. Uh, knock out blow, I think, is going to be immensely sideboard playable in Pioneer for a while. I So I'm going to say that I don't think these cards are very good because there's better versions already. I think that the Aether Gust is way better than Out of the Way. Right. Yeah, but Knockout Blow, though, like, I'll give you that with Aether Gust. Knockout Blow, I think, is they very strong. They have to strong. attack. I mean, that's not going to be your a opponent's problem. not attack you, Ricky? I, it only targets red creatures. I mean, you like, yeah, mono red, right? Yeah, I don't have a cell phone. You don't have $50? Maybe this card is fine in control, but, like, they've already got, like, March, I think, is just better. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, you sideboard it for mono red, but All right. I'm not sure. Well, I'm... I'm cut out on this day. What else you got? Anything else you guys want to talk about here? I want to talk about Cemetery Tampering. Okay. Uh, three mana for an enchantment with Hideaway 5, uh, black and two. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may mill three cards. Then if there are 20 or more cards in your graveyard, you may play the exiled card without paying its mana. Um, I know this is the graveyard hate format. I know I'm never going to get to 20 cards. But I I love this. This card's sweet. It mills me three every turn. I can dredge Narcomoebas. I can bring back prized amalgams. I think this card is sweet for three mana. Uh, it's probably garbage awful, but I like it. Yeah, where where I think this card has the problems that the hideaway ability is not very good, and like it's just not the best rate to mill you for three every turn. It's kind of expensive. It doesn't come down fast enough. Right. Um, at the same time, I think that this is a card you could possibly include in like a build around because there are similar effects. We've been talking about how for a while there's like a card for like one or two mana that tutors you and an opponent something to the top. And and I think that is like a card that's just very close given how easy it is to like mill your opponent or, or do whatever you need. And I think it's kind of a similar thing here where it's like if you had the right thing where like you were casting something relevant off your hideaway and then just so powerfully incidentally milling yourself as is so easy to do now. Right. Uh, who knows? You know, like a control deck, right? I could see this being a black and blue that incidentally mills yourself, and then boom, I get my big old creature that I'm looking to get, right? I get my Holebreaker right. Horror or my or my whatever, right? Like the plan just enough to try to hopefully hit it with some other ways to play it, and, and here we are. The other, the only other card I want to mention is Shadow of Mortality, not for any of its text except for at the top uh, right hand corner. The card costs 15 mana, so 
Last of Genius nonsense can just kill people with this. <laughs> sure, uh-huh. sure. That's the only thing I have to say. Pioneer does not have a 15 mana card. So now anybody who wants to play absolute jank at FNM, you can now discard your Shadow of Mortality to Blast of Genius or other similar effects to dome your opponent for 15. Coming to Pioneer Progression Series near you in 2024. <laughs> All right, we can move on. <laughs> Body Laundry right. does seem strong. That's that's another card that's just waiting to hit an infinite loop. Obviously, it can't target itself, but it's waiting to hit something. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you guys got on our last day of spoilers, actually? Wow, we caught up. Actually, we kind of blazed through them. Actually, I think this is maybe the more exci- most exciting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, can I go first go on a card? It. I want to talk about Avon Heartstabber. I knew you would. Yeah. All right. So two. So it's a blue and a black for a 1-1 bird assassin with flying. As long as there are five or more car- mana values among cards in your graveyard, it gets plus two, plus two in death touch. And when it dies, mill two cards, then draw a card. So we get kind of a, a build your own tricks, but bigger, right? Um, my question is, how do we find the balancing act between having multiple mana costs and do we just say goodbye to Delve? Like, okay, so if this was a rogue, I would be very excited about this card. Yes, I'll agree with you on that. It's not a rogue, it's an assassin. And there's another rogue that specifically will not work with other rogues for some stupid reason. And I think that Watsy is just terrified of Drown in the Lock or something. But, uh... uh, I think that play, I mean, you're going to like dump cards in your yard, right? So you really only have yeah. to play cards one through four because your land's going to be your zero. Mm-hmm. That being said, this card is really cool. And I think maybe, but maybe not yet. This is a card that's exciting and I, I want to play with for fun, but I'm not sure that this is going to be. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's mine. I got like two more cards. I definitely be down to talk about if you guys don't pick them before me. So uh, who wants to go next? I want to go next. Go for it. Because I need to talk about Fatal Grudge. Okay, all right. What's Fatal Grudge, Ricky? Fatal Grudge is a red-green sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a non-land permanent. Sorry, you mean red-black? Yeah, what did I say? Red-green. Sorry, red-black. As an additional cost to sac- uh, sacrifice a non-land permanent, each opponent chooses a permanent they control that shares a type with the sacrificed permanent and sacrifices it. Draw a card. Okay, so, one... The Anvil token is an artifact creature. Yes. Which means that your opponent doesn't have to sacrifice an artifact and a creature that would be absolutely broken, but they they you can do it against control to make them sacrifice portable hole and give you back a creature while drawing a card. I think this is a sideboard card in like the Racto sack builds, uh, but like also it doesn't target players. Uh, you can sacrifice your copy Obnixilis to sack your opponent's uh, Teferi or Narset, uh, which is very good. And draw a card, like the draw card on the end of it, it makes this so appealing. Like, you can sacrifice all sorts of stuff. Um, this works under, around Leyline. You can sacrifice if you have an enchantment permanent, which is not hard to do with like things like Fable and stuff like that. Uh, it's really easy to like target your opponent's uh, uh, enchantments or artifacts that you have. And in red-black, those are permanents that are kind of hard to get around to. Um, kills Chariot on an empty board, which is important against Winota. I think this card is good. I think we're going to see a two of in some Rakdo sideboards for the for the sack deck. And I do really think that sacking your like sacking one of your obs, probably actually the legendary one, so you can cast another one and make another copy. 
right sure is really good yeah that's kind of that's like a hearthstone trick that you learn where like you want to get rid of your one that makes the token so that like it goes back into the pool in battlegrounds and like you mm-hmm. just rather keep the token version of it yeah um i wanted to talk about tainted indulgence for two seconds oh yeah that's a good one yeah tainted indulgence is just interesting it's it's a blue and a black it's an instant you draw two cards then discard a card unless there are five or more mana values among cards in your graveyard there are some cards that we talk about that were like hey you know this this isn't a downside <laughs> like right there's there's a couple of cards i brought up that i still to this day that think are good and and you know the downside that was perceived about them isn't a real downside and i think this is the same one like i think i'm probably playing this decks where i obviously want to discard the card and it's a two mana instant so like i'm not sure this is ever going to replace like a an is it charm um, which is is even now really not played but i love it because of its versatility this card doesn't have a lot of that but this card at instant is very strong Right, we've been having a lot of these types of effects at sorcery. So just getting this in an instant, and then like, hey, you know, if you somehow do have five or more, which again, I do think Esper is going to be a pretty well played three, and like this is interesting because you could play it with God Pharaoh's gift, which obviously gives you a seven, and you have a bunch of creatures, right? So like, if you don't want to discard a card, it's not that hard to get the value, the different mana values in the yard uh, with that particular deck, which is obviously a fun brewery deck, but it's just an interesting combo there, you know? Yeah. I don't know if you guys had any, any um, thoughts here or homes you wanted for it. I think no, it's, I mean, I think it's good because in the early game it lets you build your yard, and in the late game it just grinds card advantage. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, like, like if I'm if I'm playing like blue black, right? Like, is this just better than consider? Probably. Uh, maybe a yeah. Porky Nolos Dose type situation, you know? I mean, sure. Like, you yeah. probably want all those kinds of effects to, to do whatever you're trying to do. Is uh, it... All right. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Do I want the human, Ricky? Do I want the human or do I want the spell? Uh, I was going to talk about the human. If you want it, take it. I'm not going to talk about uh, Void Red. All right. Uh, well, I mean, all right. Well, I'll talk about Void Red since you're going to talk about the human because I'm excited for the human. Okay. Let's talk about Void Red. Esper gets a Vindicate now that can't be countered. Neat. Neat. Yeah. Uh, can't hit lands. Yeah. Sure. Card, card's strong. Again, we've seen a lot of great removal, especially in white recently. So again, it's tough to say if this is like, hey, the, the new card, like, is this the new go-to? But it's at least good. And like, the thing is, like, if it's not, then I think this is a good potentially budget alternative, right? Like, I think as, as this format's picking up popularity, because it's going to be a competitive format and people are buying up the cards, if you're not that guy, right? You're just, you know, I want to go to my FNMs. I want to battle there. I want to win there. You're going to start to see a lot of substitutes you can pick up for under a dollar, and, and your only responsibility is the mana base. I think this is a very reasonable card, right? And again, if it's not uh, because of how many cards we're now seeing in Pioneer with these these quick releases and people coming back to it, solid. So I'm going to talk about Expert Rescuer. Yeah. I believe in this card. This card's good. White and two for a human rogue. Human being very important. Oh, this is not the human I was talking about. What? Me neither. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. Ricky, Ricky, you're not thinking. You'll, you'll, you'll see what we're talking okay. about. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I think this card's so busted. Uh, white and two for a 3-2 human rogue with lifelink. When it enters the battlefield, you can return target creature with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature can't attack or block while you control expert rescuer. So it is uh, a little lightly worse than Renegade Rallyer, but we don't have to trigger a thing and we don't have to play specifically green white also the lifelink is nice but what i like about this card is that uh in like the humans deck like the five color humans deck you can return some like really value two drops that don't need to attack immediately yep 
Luminarch Aspirant was the one people were pointing out. Luminarch Aspirant, Thalia, and uh, the Black and One Kite Self Rebooter, all, I think, very good for this card. I also like this card in Naya Winota. Sometimes you have to get, like, I think, like, I honestly think that, like, this is a good hit. I think Brutal Cathart is honestly often not very good in the deck, which is weird to say. No, for sure. But uh, this card coming into play and getting you a Voice of Resurgence back, making you pseudo-wrathproof, yeah. if you're not getting a kill, is very important. Also, the lifelink is going to be very important against, like, burn decks and stuff like that, right? So, like, even just, like, putting Voice Resurgence into play, blocking a burn creature that isn't Kumano, hopefully, right? Getting your token, playing this, and then getting your voice back is, like, huge. And also, like, I, I just think this card is, like, really strong. I think it's a really under-costed for what it does and with a good body. And, I mean, you can sack it away, you can blink it, and then the creature that you've already revived is safe again. Like, they can, uh, you know, move and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a cool card. Yeah, I, I've, uh, I, I pretty much agree with you. I think it's a solid value card. Again, I can't tell you how, how exactly playable it is, but again, there's so many good value to drops, particularly Luminarch Aspirant. I like your pickup of Thalia. I like, again, you know, you can get back uh, Mana Dorks, right? And, right. and I, I kind of agree with you on that Brutal Cathar thing. Like, it's so good, and I think you do have to, like, respect it with certain decks, like, particularly, like, decks that are kind of in on one or two creatures that are, you know, that's a really, really good hits. But a lot of the average stuff, you're just trying to go over. So, like, Brutal Cathard, again, is more there for, like, the, the mid-rangey matchups to give you a backup plan. So I wouldn't necessarily say that it's bad, but it's definitely side-outable against a lot of matchups, you know? Right. It's like, well, I'm it's, just going to go bigger than you anyway. And it almost feels like more of a sideboard power, card to anyway. Like, three power is what you want on your humans in that deck anyways. I think the card is going to see some play. Even if it's just in sideboards, I think the card's very strong. All right, who? So you guys got a different human? Yeah, yeah. All right, go for it, Ruckman. Uh, all right, I want to talk about Cunning Receiver, uh, white and a blue for a two-three human citizen. When Cunning Receiver enters the battlefield, choose a non-land permanent. Abilities of the chosen permanent can't be activated. Cunning Receiver has all the abilities of the chosen permanent except for loyalty abilities. You can spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate these abilities. So, what's fun here is right. So we get a very tribal, a relevant tribe for a revoker. We get metal image essentially in the format. Of course, um, this will only affect the targeted, the chosen permanent. So it does not affect any permanent with a similar name. Right. Uh, so, which is important because it does not, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> so uh, you can't just shut down all of the mana elves your opponent has, but you can turn this guy into a mana elf, obviously. It, it doesn't fully stop. Um, you can't copy Planeswalker abilities with it, but you do get to shut down your opponent's Planeswalker with it. And I think that when we look at, like, five-color humans, we look at just Bant Coco decks, this card is going to be very, very relevant in the format for, like, time to come. I have a judge question. Yes, I have a judge answer. Can I crew Cunning Receiver if he has targeted an Eskis Chariot? Yeah. What happens? Nothing? Nothing. It's already a, it's already a creature. Okay, cool. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you could target Eskis Chariot and they can't crew it, but he doesn't gain the text where he makes more tokens. Or anything. That's that's a trigger. Yeah, that's correct. a trigger. Yeah. yeah. So I saw this card. I've read it a few times. I'm I might be the hater, but like you can target one Obnixilus, but you can't shut them both down. And like he he kills the other one. Huh. 
he kills the other one by attacking. Right, maybe. I just don't think... The fact that he can't activate the loyalty abilities is probably a good thing and not a rules nightmare. But, like, right. yeah. I don't see him gaining many relevant abilities. Uh, like, he can gain the ability to sacrifice your artifacts of Anvil, but, like, Anvil is still an operative card, like, with its static ability, or its triggered ability, right? So, I, I don't know what this, like, wants to target. I also don't know if it's been, like, fully adjusted yet, but when this card was first spoiled, um, Goldfish didn't say it was non-land of permanence. So there's right. a lot of confusion right now until the official one's out because, like, you know, obviously you could just pick if it the non-land clause wasn't there, you could just pick like mountain mm-hmm. and just that mountain couldn't be used, right? Right. So wonky wombats of the world, beware! Your one land keeps are now very are now much more risky, right? Um, if if that clause isn't actually there on the card, but yeah, I mean, look, I it's a it is the. But- I think the format is getting to the point where Revoker effects, Pivey Bills, like that are going to be relevant again. I think the coolest thing this can do, and it's pretty cool, is the backside of Fable. Yeah. That's pretty cool, but I'm not sure about anything else. And then I can just keep making copies of this guy. No other target. Ah, oh, dang it. Yeah, they made sure. I'm frustrated they figured, at, un- they, un- they knew. at unlicensed hearse. Just like, why? Did we really need this card, you know? That just makes me upset. Uh, <laughs> two colorless artifact vehicle, tap it to exile up to two target cards from a single graveyard, and then its power and toughness are each equal to the number of cards exiled with it in its got crew. Do you want to know why it's? You, I knew it was going to be bad regardless? It's crew two. Right. It's just right. slap in the face to us, you know? Yeah. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any, anything else? We've got a couple We got a couple minutes left. Who, who wanna, yeah, who, I got, I got, got two quick over? bring-ups. Um, neither of them are super long. One is the High Park Pegasus that I think is interesting. Just because it's a two mana, two one flyer in green. It's also got trample. Uh, it doesn't get any bigger on its own, but it just seems like a strong early play. And then when it deals combat, do a damage to a player, you draw a card if two or more creatures entered the battlefield under your control this turn. So, uh, you know, Ophidians are obviously very powerful. I can't tell you this card is going to be in, in a tier one deck, but I think it absolutely could be in your tier two and a half horse deck that you might be brewing up at home or whatever you might be doing in green-white aggro, you know? Do we want to talk about the real big dumb commander card for this set? I want to talk about, real quick, Rocco. Okay. The Cabaretti Caterer. Yeah. Other than having an amazing name, mm-hmm. this card does have light potential just because it's a tutor. For Naya and X, when uh, it's a 3-1, when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, you may search your library for a creature card with man value X or less, put it into the battlefield, then shuffle... It's weird because it's in three colors, but I think this card is just like a have to mention because it just can tutor a creature. And so anything that's like a deck that's reliant around a two drop or something like that, this card could no. be a important card. This card gets me my scoot mops, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Scoot swarms? Scoot swarms. It, that's right. Exactly. It that's is what's a, on the platter. You can tell we're serving up bugs it. on a silver platter, but, you know, call an ambulance, but not for me. These bugs gonna be killing my opponent. Right. They're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna take off the shiny the shiny silver top. There's gonna be a bug there, and it's gonna kill opponent. I also very much like the rare legendary for the Naya color, mainly because it can be cast in probably decks it shouldn't be able to be cast in. Oh, Genie uh, Fey Jetmir second. Yes, this card says if you would create one or more token instead, you create that many either. 2-2 two, two cats with haste or 3-1 dogs with vigilance. Wait, wait. It doesn't say creature tokens? 
No, any tokens, which any is what tokens. makes this card, I think, good. Is that wow? Like, yeah, my treasures now, like, are, are now hasters. Your blood, yeah, exactly. So you get to make any of your like blood tokens or clue tokens or any stupid token you can make that does nothing but like be something on the board can be a two-two haster, and I think that's sort of like really randomly scary. Yeah. And because this card could just be cast for green and red and you don't need actually white mana to cast it. Like this could slide into some weird decks. This card is very cool. And I think that it is uh, very interesting because it's a very low cost, only three mana. And now all my tokens could be two twos. So like suddenly, now all, suddenly when I put 46 scoot swarm triggers in the stack, those are now hasty cats. <laughs> I mean, right. Right. Even if you just play this and then next turn, you can just secure the wastes. And your one ones will come in with haste and be two twos instead. Yeah, like even like just doing that seems like sort of insane, right? Mm-hmm. It also lets you do things like cast the secure the waste on your opponent's end step, and if they counter it, then you know you just cast your next one on on your turn. The, it, the big thing is, I think that you can't split it up. It's either one or the other. So if you're gonna make like three blood tokens off of something, right? You can't just say. I want to take one blood token but make two cats. It has it's all or nothing. I don't think that really matters because I think the big thing here is you only take the dogs when you're making the tokens on your opponent's turn. Uh-huh. You like otherwise you want the haste, right? On your turn? Yeah. If you make tokens on your opponent's end step, you make them dogs because they'll be bigger. But if Well, you... no, my 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 point isn't the you only get cats or, or dogs. It is that like because of the oh, way it's one or more tokens. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah, if if you decide to make a make a cat or a dog, you don't get any blood. Right. You may instead. So you don't you're not forced out of blood. Yes. Yes, but yeah, you can't you can't split up your blood or anything like that. Uh, also real quick shout out to Scryfall um and what they named the Mythic Angel. I'm ready. Uh because because Scryfall when they don't have official names for foreign language spoilers, they'll just give them joke names for the time being. So the a Mythic Angel if as of the recording on Scryfall, is just Toilet Paper Angel. Huh. Nice. Sure. So if you if you Scryfall bot for Toilet Paper, this card shows up. I mean, whatever. It's a 3 black black for a 5-3 angel with flying. Whenever you take damage, prevent it, mill twice the many cards instead. instead. Whatever. I just want to talk about it being Toilet Paper Angel. And then, uh, so how much money do you think Smuggler Stash goes for? Real quick. Smuggler Stash is a stupid commander card that makes me upset that the good treasure card in this set is being printed in green and not in red black for my personal commander wants. And yeah. uh, it's definitely like a $25. Yeah, of course, uh, Smuggler Stash, five and a green for artifacts. Is lands you control have tap, create a treasure token. Yep. Oh, def- definitely OP busted in, in certain formats. And I think later, it's something to keep an eye on to see, you know, if it could be done something in Pioneer, because we all know that green is the is the sick devotion color, right? Like, we make yeah. six mana pretty quickly, right? But uh, but yeah, I've got one more rare that I think is, is worth mentioning, because I think it does make a deck playable, not good, but playable. Sure. Yeah, what you got? Obscura Imp- Interceptor. I don't know if we brought that up lightly earlier or not. It's uh, it's one colorless and then Esper. So one white, blue, and black. It is a 3-1 Cephalid Wizard. So Wizard's a somewhat relevant creature type. It's got Flash and Lifelink. So How long has it been since we've had a Cephalid? Uh, at least a minute. They've been, they've been studying, though, you know? Yeah. They've been, they've been on the come up. So, you know, keep an eye out at your local, uh, I don't know, magical school of wizardry. Right. Uh, hey, when Obscura Interceptor enters the battlefield, you're going to connive. And then when you connive this way, return up to one target spell to its owner's hand. 
So I think that this makes Esper Flash. It's not better than I think Blue Green Flash, but it is. It does now make it because there's that uh, Flash guy that hey, whenever you flash something, your opponent loses a life. It's like blue, black, black, or blue, blue, right? Black, right. Slither like the Slither Slither Muse. Yeah, and, and it's a three four. I'm pretty sure with Flash. So you know you're gonna play a lot of stuff on your opponent's turn anyway in those spells, right? A lot of instants in general. So uh, this is just another way with Flash and Life Link that I think it kind of give you some gives you some game where you know your opponent taps out for something, it gets any spell, so your opponent you know pays three to cast their whatever Rabble Rouser or uh, whatever. Goblin Chain Whirler, right? Whatever whatever OP 3-drop you want to insert there. You play this, hopefully, or, or whatever they play, tap out for Torbrand, and then you get to attack them back for some life because you, you don't really need it. it. You know, it becomes a 4-2, right, if you do connive it uh, and then discard a non-land, and you don't have to discard a land to get the ability, right? You know, It doesn't matter what you discard. It just has to connive, I think. So, right. you know, 4-2 lifelink is pretty sick, and then we get the disruption. So, you know, that, it's an option for you to play that now. I don't think it's the best by far, but I think it is an option. To- All right. I mean, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this week's episode. We covered, we got through like everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It took us a long time to do it, but we did it. If there is a card that we didn't cover that you want us to talk about, you want input on, uh, let us know on the discord and we will be sure to include that with next week's episode when full spoilers drop. Uh, here in a couple days, we record on Tuesday. Full spoilers will be out on Thursday, I believe. Thursday or Friday, I believe. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I want to once again thank Chris and Rick for taking over while I was gone last week. And of course, big thanks to our sports Patreon, patreon.com slash crew3mtg. We got three great tiers available, four if you want that international swag bag. Um, and then, of course, we have uh, plenty of great uh, rewards there for joining any of the tiers. Uh, and, of course, if you're looking for more wonderful Pioneer content, go check out playingpioneer.com. We've got a great tier list that goes up weekly, uh, a slew of articles, and uh, we're adding more people to the staff to sort of help grow that uh, that article lineup. And, of course, like I said at the beginning, next week we're going to kind of have a welcome week for the website, really uh, having some great stuff on offer for all levels of play in magic and the pioneer format specifically. So be sure to check that out. Gentlemen, where can the people find you on the socials? Oh, you can find me on the tweeters at it's underscore Christmas and Christmas has no. But you, Ricky, you can find me at also Steve on Twitter and then on door monster YouTube. Yeah, all right. And of course I run our official Twitter at crew three podcast, where you can see me tweeting about pioneer and all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, and then I will hopefully this weekend get back to the streaming schedule uh, on Sundays, and then of course, Pioneer Progression series resumes this weekend with the release of Theros in our bi-weekly series, where Ricky and I uh, open a box of every set in Pioneer and battle it out with an ever-growing card pool. And so, uh, you know what? And now is a great time to jump on if you've already watched the previous episodes. And with uh, Theros coming out this weekend, well, that will do it. Thank you once again for listening. Thanks again to those patrons, as always. Uh, plenty of fun links below in the description if you ha- don't usually check that out. We'll talk to you all next time. Bye. 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 Bye.